0: Welcome back to What Would Mozart Do? Today, I am talking to tenor Karl Marx Reyes. During his studies as a pre-med student, Karl was scouted for the chorus of Seattle Opera. He now holds a hybrid position, performing comprimario and featured roles. In our talk, we discuss the career from the perspective of the opera chorus member and how Karl's experience in medicine not only enabled him to maintain a long career in opera, but also how it created a safety net for him, particularly during the pandemic. Hello, Carl. How are you doing? I am doing well. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank (laughs) you so much for joining me for this episode for What Would Mozart Do? Can I ask you if you could just introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure,
1: absolutely. My name is Carl Marx Reyes. And I currently live in Seattle, Washington, and I am a Compromario tenor, and um, I have been singing for the past 27
0: years. Wonderful. But your story doesn't really only start there. You have a very interesting journey into music, don't you? You (laughs) told me a little bit about that earlier. Why don't you share that with everybody?
1: Uh, okay. Well, so I'm going to start when we immigrated to the United States. So prior to that, you know, like my only experience of singing is only really in church. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when I got to, um, the United States, when I got to Seattle, I heard a group of people singing together, which is like, Oh, which is a choir basically. And which I've never been exposed to, to that kind of singing. Um, and I think they were doing some, Gregorian chant of some sort, which is just really beautiful. And so I kind of listened in the hallway a little bit, you know, like and figured that, oh, you know, like this is something that I might be interested in doing. And um at the time I am looking for some um elective credits that mm-hmm. I needed to fill. So in order to graduate. <clears throat> so I was like, well, this would be great, right? So I was reading through it. And sure enough, you know, like joining the the choir will be um, something that would fill those elective credits. So um, as I was waiting, um, there was also a couple guys in um, that hallway that are warming up to audition, oddly enough. And um, as they were warming up, they're, they're kind of not in tune. <laughs> 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 so, um, so I, so I decided that I would sing along and I would kind of help him out and that I would go and sing, you know, like a little bit higher. And I think, I think the, uh, the term is you sing half a step, yeah. you know, like, so, so you're, you know, like you're, you're kind of going through the chromatic scale a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, so as I was doing that, um, the guy was getting irritated and he would go half a step, which makes him even not even in tune anymore, yeah. so I was kind of like, okay, so I would sing again, sing it again half a step, and and we were and this was going on for about ten minutes or so. Well, during that time, i didn't realize that the choir conductor actually went into the restroom and was listening to us doing the battle <laughs> <laughs> so um so there was two brown shoes in in you know like in my stall um. And he was like waiting for me to open it up. And I said, can I help you? (laughs) And It was a choir conductor. And he said like, so what are you doing for third period? And I said, like, I'm going to the gym. That's my next class. And it's like, "Uh, no, you're going to choir. (laughs) (laughs) So evidently that whole entire time that we were doing that, he was able to figure out that I was singing um, a high C above you know like the highest note that i've sung was a high c
0: and when he asked me
1: when, when we went to um the practice room do you realize what you sang and he said no it's <laughs> just like it's just like no clue but you know like i was just kind of going along with what the tune was and so, well you sang this it's like okay it's just like sure all right Can you can you do it again and it's just like so so he did the scale and i i i, I hit it and he was just like, oh yeah, you're not going to the, you're not going to gym class, you're going to choir. Yeah. <laughs> so he basically rearranged my schedule. You know, like he he rearranged everything that I have a double major, so I'm now majoring in pre med and I have a minor in music. Is basically what ended up happening. Right. And um, this kind of, and this went really fast. Uh, you know, like I was like, oh my god, what the hell is going on? And I didn't really fully realize what he was doing at the time, that he was making, a, uh, he was making music my minor, but he was actually telling people that he basically found a kid that can sing a high C, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, one of the, and one of those people was um, the Seattle Opera Chorus Master, George Fiore mm-hmm. at the time in, in 1993. And so George actually drove to the school after a week of me being in the choir and basically asked me to sing some melody that we are that we were doing. And George said basically that, um, okay, give him some lessons, give him, you know, like give him an art song and I want him to sing for me in a month, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and, and, make sure that you know like um you know he's uh, he's still hitting those notes and um so okay so i so i did and so i met with george fiore and beth breath who is the assistant accompanist for uh seattle opera chorus at the time mm-hmm. and so they heard me saying they heard of all of all things that i sang for them i sang carom you ben which is like one of the you know like <laughs> the quintessential art songs you know like yeah. which I am still learning I, I you know at the time and like I I don't have it fully learned I'm still looking at my music and yeah. I was like shaking you know like, and I was like a little okay.
0: bit a little bit more vibrato than usual <laughs> right it's
1: <was> like <laughs> it was like, uh, you know, like this is like I don't know these people and what's going on kind of thing and um so I sang for them and they both look at each other and, and they're like handle and and I remember George telling Beth hand them the score, mm-hmm. and <laughs> so they handed me this thick, really thick score, and it says Lohengrin on it. So it's by nice. it's, so my very first opera was a Wagner opera, mm-hmm. and it's a four and a half hour show. Um, so so they handed me the book, and and they, and so I was like, oh my gosh, she's just like you guys are giving me the entire. The, the, the entire book It's like no That's just the chorus part <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> It's like here I am You know like Struggling to learn A three page Art song And they're giving me this You know like this thick book and, and I was like Oh my god It's just like And it's in German It's like <laughs> I'm, I, I don't know German <laughs> and, I, and I think they gave me Like I, I have Three weeks To actually go through the entire score so I went to my voice teacher and I said hey you know I don't know what's going on but they handed me this book and they have the contract with the opera and my voice teacher at the time said you got a contract with Seattle Opera are you kidding (laughs) (laughs) uh I don't think so they look pretty serious
0: so (laughs) I walked away with a book (laughs)
1: <laughs> right. Like, so instead of me learning my, you know, like uh, my standard three art songs for the quarter, you know, like it became we're going to pound all these notes so that you don't you don't misrepresent the school. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it basically became a, a coaching session. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of started from there. And, and that was a that was a really hard process because i am now singing with people who graduated from juilliard you know like pe- you know like mm-hmm. people who, i mean like i am like i am now in the real waters of music of like of music making yep. you know and uh, i remember the first rehearsal for the chorus uh, at seattle opera and people are not even you know like they're not even fishing for notes <laughs> like, like what i like what i would do in an in, in acquired school where we're like mm-hmm. we're, we're figuring out where it fit and everything
0: it's hope that like, the one next to you gets it, gets it right
1: <laughs> right it's just like oh my god it's <laughs> just like, and and there's some people that are not opening the score because they've done the show before
0: mm-hmm.
1: right so it's, it's, so they have the muscle memory in them and I was so like, oh my God, I had to put my A game on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really wanted to make you know like a good impression because this this is now the industry that I really want to be in. you know, like mm-hmm. I cannot I mean I mean, like sure, I, I'll make mistakes along the way, but I really want to show them that I belong here. So it, I went from zero to sixty, basically.
0: Yeah. And yeah. so so you mentioned that your major was pre-med. Yes. And music was your minor. So what was it about that very dramatic and very quick introduction to the music industry and to the operatic world that really struck you and that you wanted to do more of, that was inviting for you?
1: Ah, Okay. So believe it or not, this involves the great Jose Carreras. So... Maestro Carreras basically had a recital, uh, had, had an art song recital. At, it was the Seattle Symphony Hall here mm-hmm. in um, in Washington State. And a friend of mine from the nursing home that I was working at cannot go. And she gave me her ticket. And that ticket included a, a backstage pass to actually see Maestro Carreras. So, and this is li- literally a week before the happy birthday of the... You know, like <laughs> the choir situation. Yes. And so um, so I, I, I got to listen to what tenor singing is like, you mm-hmm. know, like, and w- which, well, at the time, it's like, what is, because I think he just, uh, he's in Seattle, and because he is also following up with his cancer treatments, with his throat right. cancer mm-hmm. at, at the time. So I only got a chance to hear of, of, of the glimpse of what he once was, but that is enough to make, make an impression that like, yeah. I want to do that. That's what I want to do. So after the show, I went ahead and went in line to get my, you know, like a little, you know, like a little school girl with my program. I was like, Oh, you know, like I want you to sign my program kind of thing. And so I was, as I was talking, he stopped and she's like, you're a tenor. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, whatever that is, it's just like, so, uh, yes I think it's just like no you're a tenor Mm
0: -hmm. it's just
1: like you know so what he was hearing is he was hearing the overtones in my voice and so and he asked me how old are you it's just like I'm 19 and it's just like oh it's just like it's gonna be a big voice you know (laughs) like I mean you know like I mean like these are like coming out from from uh, my Carreras and I was kind of like and so I was like oh what he was like no, it's just like, I'm just here to listen to you. It's just like, you're wonderful. You know, like, I'm giving the compliment back to him. <laughs> and, you know, like, and it, but he was kind of like, it's just like, no, you pursue this. You know, like, you you follow this. It's just like, you, you know, get a voice teacher, you know, like, mm-hmm. join a choir. And, and as soon as he said that, it's kind of like, things are kind of lining up a little bit, you know, like, join a choir because I was already thinking about it in a way. Yeah was he talking to somebody that i know yeah.
0: kind of thing. <laughs> Some, somehow the stars were just aligning in that moment, exactly
1: so that's kind of like the beginning of the alignment you know like you know in, in a way yeah. so that's kind of like kind of like the divine in tenor inter uh, intervention, yes. but that intervention
0: <laughs> and so then you got to seattle uh to the yeah. opera um yeah what was that like? What was those first experiences like for you and those emotions? I mean, mean, of course you've sung with them for a long time now, but which of those emotions when you've last Uh, sung with them, do you still experience now?
1: uh, I'm always in awe on what the voice is capable of. And, not just one, but the ensemble—the uh, what the group sound is like. So, as you know, uh, there's only like one major opera house in Seattle, which is Seattle mm-hmm. Opera. I mean, we have like little mini houses, but nothing as big as Seattle Opera. And so, Seattle Opera basically have access to the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So they get the best. They get the best of the best. So. Basically, Seattle Opera hired a chorus of soloists Mm -hmm. where they had the ability to fill sound in the hall. And I don't know if you've noticed, but we have for a while we were known as the Wagnerian because we produced the ring, the the full ring cycle by Wagner. Yes. Yes. And me at 40 plus years, I have done the ring cycle five times.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and three of those times I actually had uh, solos on the, on, 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 the uh, on the male chorus and mm-hmm. on Gutter and which is like an honor because my voice teacher now used to do those solos so it kind of got passed on yes. um, you know, like to, to the student which is kind of great but that kind of ensemble singing always just hits me you know like yeah, mm-hmm. it's a wall of sound that you cannot just explain you know, like, it's you had to experience it. You had to be there. Yes. And even when I'm listening to the recording here at home, you know, like when when we finally had a recording with Jane Eaglin. How oh, um,
0: wonderful.
1: As a Brunhilda, And, um, you know, and, and and I studied with Jane, too, for, for you know, like for a couple of seasons. And just hearing that and, you know, when she was doing the immolation scene, it, it was like, Holy moly. It's just like, it really goes into your DNA. I I, I cannot explain it. It's like the sound had to be live and the enormity and uh, of that sound, uh, it's something that you just have to experience in your lifetime. It's wonderful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, so Wagner, of course, um, well, obviously speaks very closely to your musical heart what other composers or works are there that you feel a great affinity to, or that you feel that you now can actually perform?
1: Oh, goodness. So my teacher actually studied with Beverly Sills. Mm -hmm. Um, Bob Metzger from Shoreline studied with Beverly Sills. And so, and as you know, Beverly is um, a champion of uh, Bel Canto singing. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, um, so Bob basically instilled on me that if you cannot sing the notes, the way the bel canto singers do it, then you cannot sing the role or you mm-hmm. cannot sing. it. So one of the things that I have to show to him, um, when I was learning Lohengrin, <laughs> when I was learning, the theme, <laughs> is that I can, I can sing the legato lines. I can, I can sing the lines, you know, like as the way it was intended. Mm-hmm. And, the, because the point of singing Wagner is not always about cutting through the orchestra, but it's, it's about being symbiotic with yes. the orchestra. You're, you are part of it. And yes, you need to be heard. You need to have to have a certain line to it, but the line is more important than volume.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So, and so that is one of the things that Bob instilled in me, which is basically part of Bel Canto singing. It, it, if the voice is placed right you don't need to force it. Exactly. You know, it, it, will, it will shine by itself because of the overtones. So that's kind of what my um, philosophy is when it comes to singing.
0: Okay. And of
1: course, now that I'm in my 40s, the voice changes as well. So we can, it's kind of like man, uh, we are going through you know, like our our own midlife crisis kind of thing going on (laughs) because like like my high C's are not as dependable as they were. So I went from a 10 or one to like a 10 or two level Mm -hmm. where, you know, like I, the color changes, it darkens a little bit. And now I am more comfortable to doing more character tenor roles like right. with that repertoire yeah. so it's like oh crap now i had to, so like in like in, in my in the beginning i'm doing all the rodolfos and the you know like and all the romantic lead singing and now i'm changing myself to mima and goro and yes. you know like and ademendaro <laughs> uh, and you know like and which is like it's it, it doesn't pay as much but it's more fun Right. Because you don't have because you don't have a lot of pressure, yeah. you know. Like you, 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 do your little bit, you know. Like you get a laugh or two, and then <laughs> you go home. <laughs> yeah. Unlike doing the big roles where if if that high C is not perfect, you know, like you're gonna get slammed. Yeah, you that's know, just like,
0: what people going to remember. Exactly,
1: and it's like they don't. I mean, they don't remember remember the beautiful lines that you did in the middle of the aria. They always remember the high notes. Yeah. So. <laughs> So in a way, you know, like, I'm kind of like, okay, so this is where I'm transitioning to and it's still fun. Mm -hmm. And um, while I'm doing that, um, so of course, you know, like the reality of being, you know, being a singer is that you have mortgage to pay, you have car payments. You know, like, you know, like you had to buy dog food and your food. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that. Um, that was the order in, in which you gave it. First the dog, then you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Arties, <right? laughs>
1: uh, and, and I have corgis. So I have, I have. yeah, I have corgis, labs, and a cat. And oh, wow. um, yeah, it's a good day when all of them get along. <laughs> 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 um you know, like and on top of voice lessons and all of that that you need to do. So, you know, like I kind of decided to, you know, OK, I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to do it all. You mm-hmm. know, so for so for 24 years, um, I have a um, a career in health insurance. I went. I did use, you know, like my first degree. Yeah. And so I was here in the market selling um, medical health plans. So that's my nine to five. Mm-hmm. And then I commute, but to Seattle. Yes. And then uh, from my seven to eleven, I you know like I sing my heart out, you know like mm-hmm. you know, with. The, so I started with the chorus, and then from then I was able to prove to um, to Spate Jenkins at the time that hey, you know like I am solo uh, caliber, you know like mm-hmm. I, I can sing you know, like little solo roles. So so he gave me a challenge. So Spate said. I will hire you as a soloist for Seattle opera. If you can prove to me that you can get three roles in the smaller companies within the season, that was his challenge. So I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It is (laughs) like,
0: it's
1: going to be hard because like I have no, because I focused so much on being on the a house that I didn't really build my relationships with the smaller houses. So oh, this is going to be hard.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's so so important, isn't it? Oh, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. because
0: Because I think that, and I mean, to an extent, you are the exception to the rule that whilst you were at university, and I think that's something more of the time as well, but whilst you were in university, you already got a contract in chorus. Yes. And that really set you up for your career with that house that's correct um, and then it's easy to get stuck professionally if you like yep. and not build your network and yep. for for the day of what if right yep and yep. what if has now arrived
1: exactly exactly <laughs> and well and because because what what happened was i am seeing you know like you know like and i don't want to sound like i am you know like boastful or anything but you know, like, when, when, when I saw the type of people who are singing character roles, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm kind of like, I can do that. You know, like, that is something that I can do. You know, like, yeah. wow, it's just, it's like they only, they only show up for, like, 40, you know, like, for 40 seconds on stage, or, you know, like, <laughs> and then they do, like, a back, back to singing, and then they leave. And mm-hmm. it's just like, and then the chorus is left there to finish the show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of like, uh okay, there's something to this. You know, there's some opportunity here. <laughs> and it
0: also makes life easier because you have your day job, right? Exactly. Yeah, so there's exactly. a good balance that you're striking there. So
1: so it's the <laughs> balance that, you know, like, okay, it's like if I can get into this realm of being hired as a complimentary singer mm. while I am working my nine-to-five, and it's just like, huh. So, and, and that's why I decided it made me... I got the courage to talk to Spain, but Mm -hmm. so here's another thing. Once you are singing in the chorus, you're labeled as a chorister, you know, like, you know, like pulling away from that is almost like a job by itself Mm -hmm. because now you had to set yourself apart from the cohesive sound and they're now going to listen to you where you're now going to be fighting with people who went to conservatories and who went to, you know, like who had careers or like um, mm-hmm. who are now going into the compromise roles. So the pool is actually much more competitive. Yes. So, um, so, so Spade basically told me, he's like, okay, I cannot just put you in a roster and sing I, I had no, you know, I know I can, you can sing the notes, you know, mm-hmm. like that's not the problem, but you don't have a name. <laughs> so I, you know, like I need to, I need to be able to showcase you saying that you are different from your colleagues, mm-hmm. not in a bad way, but you, you need to step up your game. So, so he, she, he gave me the three, you know, like the, um, you know, okay. If you can prove, if you, if you can get three roles with the smaller houses, then you can, you can go ahead and um, I, you know, like we'll talk, you know, mm-hmm. like as far as um, getting a complimentary role in, in Seattle. So, not only that, uh, I got Mario's. instead of giving him three, I gave him five. Perfect. So, so th- the way I approached it in the market is I used my marketing skills from the insurance
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, <laughs> and basically approached um, all the houses here in, in Washington State and said, I will cover all the tenor roles that you needed, even though, and you don't need to pay me, but I am willing to cover. You know, like this role, this role, and this role. Mm-hmm. And all I want is to be mentioned in the program so I can show it to Spate.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's about being upfront with your intentions. Exactly. And yeah. selling yourself confidently, but also honestly. I, it's
1: it's building the connection, you know, like yeah. what? Can, um, so one of the greatest advices that I have that I was given, you know, like when I was younger, that is that when you show up for an audition, think of yourself as an answer to their problems. Mm. They they have a problem, you know, and and casting is usually their problem. That's why you're there, and if you can let those people that you're auditioning for visualize you in the role that they need you for, then you're doing your job correctly. And and I think Audra McDonald mentioned that as well in an interview uh, on Broadway.com. And when I heard that, I'm kind of like,
0: Oh yes, <laughs> I got that too. You know, like uh, like uh, you know, like
1: we're talking to the same people. You know, kind of the yay, Audra. You know, and <laughs> so that's kind of what I did. You know, like I want to be a solution to their problem,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and I think that kind of set me apart because the, the number one, uh, you know, like I think they saw they saw the hunger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like and, and they saw that uh, they they can put me in that slot. And I'm also building relationships. It's not. It's not just about business. So you know, like, so one thing about me that I'm very random when it comes to making friends with people. You mm-hmm. know, like I, I will talk to the waiter. I will talk to the usher. You know, like I will talk to you know, like uh, the janitors or whatever. And you never know um, who your allies are going to be. You yeah. know, like and and, and you like and, and it's not about hierarchy, but and it's not about you know, trying to be popular or everything, even though it, that, that does help a little bit. Um, but um, so, th- so, for example, like, you know, like there, there's, a, there's a steadfast rule in Seattle that you cannot bring any guest backstage at all, you know, at, um, at, um, at any given time. And just because I know the usher and I've made friends with them, um, when, I, when I did my debut in Seattle in Aida as the messenger, <laughs> and so I said, you know, like my, um, you know, my nieces and nephews are going to be uh, coming in today, and I would love it if they can, you know, like if if they can have a picture with me with my costume, um, and I'll, I'll come and show up in the green room or whatever and and all that. And the the guard bless bless our heart, you know, like basically said. At intermission, stay in your costume, and I'll bring them backstage.
0: Oh,
1: <laughs> wonderful! <laughs> so so th- that's an example of like mm. the alliances that you that we build, you know, like and and that kind of skill set, you know, like translates to not just in the opera world, but also in the insurance world as well. Yeah. You know, like and the, the, the human—I I think it's called the human factor. You know, like mm-hmm. if you kind of cater to that a little bit, and you know, like you understand, you know, like what people. Needs and wants and desires are, and yeah. if you got, and you don't have to be everything for them. But if you, if they can see that you are striving to meeting them halfway, then it, that's part of a good negotiation skills. You know, like and and that's kind of how that started, like how they got how that got started. So, um, so I kind of utilize, you know, like those life transfer transferable skills. You know, like between the insurance company. Mm-hmm. That I learned, you know, like into, you know, like my opera life, and vice
0: versa. Yeah. So, yeah. And and as you said, also they they helped you not only at Seattle, but actually helped you to move up the ranks in Seattle mm-hmm. because you built your your greater network um, yes, with the exactly. other houses.
1: Yeah. So with with the opera, it's and I've seen it happen when people move up the ranks of being soloists. That th- there's this crab mentality. I don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. of this before, where um, w- w- when you put a uh, um, when you put crabs in a bowl, instead of them helping uh, helping the other crabs to get out and be free, they basically drag them down. Right. Which which is a dynamic that I've seen. You know, like um, in the chorus um, and um, some kind of like, okay. How do I solve this problem? You know, like mm-hmm. how do I not become the crab that 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 that's that's dragged down, yeah. you know, like and or so um, that
0: is dragging down, dragging down, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's being dragged down or dragging down, exactly, exactly,
1: <laughs> and, and and you know, like, and I love my Seattle Opera colleagues, and I'm still in the I'm still in the chorus, by the way. Mm-hmm. So even though I'm doing compromario roles, you know, like everywhere else, um, I try to keep my Seattle contract because. Of my relationship with the Seattle Opera Chorus, which is very special to me,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they—they um, they are my people, you know. Like ever since the '90s, you know. And so, one thing that I learned is stay humble, you know. Like don't like don't forget the people that you are with, <laughs> you know. Like when you know, like when you become like one of the little stars, you know. Like as as you you know like go up the ranks a little bit, and um, and, and they're always a part of me mm-hmm. so i don't i i don't see myself separating from them except for the part of the course that we have a have a different rehearsal schedule and, and 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 all that and so what i did is like i made um my chorus buddies a part of that experience
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know like so instead of staying in my dressing room all the time i would go down and um, um and actually you know like hang out with them you know, like and, and all that and um so one thing that I've done with especially like when I did Aida is I asked the chorus master if I can because the messenger is only like a a five minute bit Mm -hmm. you know like on on that and and the rest of the show basically is I'm waiting for my bows so I'm there for like three (laughs) hours on my costume doing nothing and so I so I told the chorus master it's just like kind of be part of the chorus before my vows, you know, like, you know, like I I would I wouldn't mind, you know, like be an extra voice in the chorus, especially with something as big as Vavdi, you know, like, you know, like with a triumphal march, you need all the voices that you can. So, you know, that sounds like a good idea. So, and so Beth, you know, like, you know, came back to me a couple of days later and he said like, so Spade is going to give you another contract to be in the chorus.
0: Which is sure. not
1: really not really what I intended to to no. do. I was just like, I'm already there. You're already paying me. I just want to sing with with the chorus. You just want to so, fill your time. I just want to fill my time. And um, next thing you know, I am being given another <laughs> <it's> like <laughs> you know like another salary to yeah. sing. So so you know like to sing the chorus. You know so okay so. This is like a win-win mentality. When you have a win-win mentality mm-hmm. and you, you want to be, you know, like in, in that kind of ensemble singing, it, it does pay off. Yeah. And, and and my colleagues basically, you know, like saw me doing that and it opened up a lot of opportunities for some of the choristers as well to be brave enough to actually like, hey, you know what? If Carl can do it, I'm sure I can do it too.
0: Yes. And
1: it's, it's fantastic. So and so, we, so that's kind of like the dynamic of what's happening with the Seattle Chorus at the moment.
0: Wonderful. Now, I want to ask you, because you've, you've alluded to it a couple of times already, that you've been singing since the early 90s, and you've yeah. been with one company for that period of time, yes. um, whilst combining the other smaller companies. What have you seen until the beginning of last year? Of course, the, the past year, being a big marker in all our lives. But before the pandemic, what have you seen changed in the industry? What have you seen stayed exactly the same? Mm -hmm. And then the flip side of that is, what have you seen that changed that you wished could have stayed the same? And what have you seen stayed the same that you wished could have changed or would change?
1: Uh. <laughs> oh boy. Um, hmm. Okay. I, I I think I am going to, okay. I'm, I think I'm going to tackle this, but this is the, the cultural appropriation of casting Ooh. in the opera world. So sadly the things that kind of stayed the same is um, there, there's a stereotype that we're still fighting off that, Oh, boy! this is hard <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's just so many facets of this exactly. and it's like it's, like,
0: and it's so to uh, find the right language isn't it it's it's
1: really it's really is that you know like it really is finding the right language so le- let me just be a little bit specific on what happened to me because I think that's uh, more relatable. so one of the most popular things that I'm being hired for. Is Goro in a Butterfly, mm-hmm. as you know, is problematic. Like the storyline is problematic. The uh, the casting ability, be, the, the being able to cast the right butterfly is now culturally. If, if if you're not casting an Asian person to sing Butterfly, you're you know like <laughs> you're gonna get skewered by the media, mm-hmm. you know. So it it makes it hard, you know. Like and. So I'm going to focus on that a little bit with 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 Butterfly as Butterfly as the voice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the way Puccini wrote Butter uh, the the voice of Butterfly when she was when he was writing the role, Puccini used two different sopranos, uh, one lyric and one spinto. Mm-hmm. And this is very and you can see it from the transition from Act One to Act Two on how the the voice is written. Yeah. You know, like in, in act one, you have this big, wonderful legato line. There's even this extrapolated high E flat on the entrance, you know, like which like no dramatic sopranos, you know, like is like, really you were gonna want me to go there in full voice? I don't exactly. think so. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, like a few have done it. You know, like there, there's a there's a wonderful recording with Leontine Price doing it. Yeah. Um but there's not a lot of Lyudmila voices around no. right
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> she she was indeed a goddess. <laughs> she
1: is like, she is like no. by, on her own, you know, like so. And then in the second act, you know, like you have you have to, the 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 heavy orchestration shows tells tells you that Puccini is working with a heavier sound soprano Ooh. because an D you have like, really? You're going to blow up all that 45-piece instrument at the high note? It's like, yeah. yeah! <laughs> and um, uh, which a lyric voice cannot do because the lyric had to go on top of the accompaniment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so well, so where do you find the balance under getting the right butterfly, right? So you basically, you find a butterfly that is uh, who, who is transitioning from a lyric role into a spinto, heavy, heavier rap that can still sing, you know, like the high notes Mm -hmm. and it's not easy. You know, like, I mean, that's, that's almost an impossible because that, that gives you probably like a three year window on an, on an operatic voice, you know, like coming from a lyric to a spinto into basically Wagnerian, which is Mm -hmm. transition is what's going to happen. And, um, so you don't have a lot of time, you know. Like, oh, there's another one too for Sopranos. It's like Sopranos need to be able to kneel, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to do uh, the role, uh, you know, like which, you know, like. So for me, it's no problem because I and that's like one of my warm ups. You know, like when I'm doing, you know, like uh, uh, Goro, mm-hmm. it's just like I need to be able to kneel without touching the ground. You know, like without actually levering myself. Right. And. And, and, and that's going to be one of my indicators that, you know, like I can't do any, I I can't do Goro anymore if I cannot stand up. Yeah. From, like, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, okay. So those factors, and uh, it's hard enough, you know, to find uh, a very small lyric butterfly that can do it. But to limit that to... A, a body of an Asian woman mm-hmm. that is not used to singing those kind of, that kind of singing. So, because if you look at, um, uh, the type of singing in the, or in in Southeast Asia, most of our singing don't even go above an A flat, you know, like, so, and, and it's, and it's, and it's almost very lyrical, never really the spinto type of singing. Mm-hmm. And that's with the Japanese culture, with the Korean culture, you know, like with, um, with, with Vietnamese. Well, now, um, the Korean culture, oddly enough, is producing a lot of butterflies because right. they're, uh, yes, somehow they really adapted to, do, to the classical singing way. Mm-hmm. And um, so majority of the butterflies that are, the good butterflies that are being <laughs> produced right now are coming from Korea. Why so, is,
0: that? is that? Is that not only a physiological, perhaps, reason, but Language-wise,
1: honestly, I think it's the way the culture embraced classical music.
0: Okay.
1: Um, yeah, and so you know, like Philippines, I wish embraced classical music the way Korea did, because um, I think Korea made it part of their school curriculum mm. to actually understand and be part of the classical music world, which is fantastic. And, you know, you, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Sumi Cho, mm-hmm. um, and um, uh, th- there's like a lot of korean bar- oh my god a lot of korean baritones here in seattle that are just gorgeous yeah. they're like they're like tall and handsome and they're like you know like every time we, you know like I, I would they would audition butterfly and i would see the lineup of Yamado- of prince yamadoris
0: yeah. and i was
1: like, it's like every single one of them is korean and they're all gorgeous and i'm kind of like yeah. oh my god <laughs> <laughs> so going back into the why is it so hard you know like for the culture and the storyline is because there's not a lot of cultural appropriate (laughs) storylines written by the librettist at the time that the opera is being written, you know, like, you know, like if you look at Lakme and if you look at Butterfly and if you look at, um, you know, like even Turandot. you know, like, you know, like where, you know, like it's, it's almost like, Okay, it's either they're bad Asians or they're good Asians, or you know, like the drama is in the music, but it's not in the in, in the weak storyline.
0: Right. You know. Like,
1: yeah. Right. And and I think part of that too is the, and I know Puccini was doing this, is that he's introducing the East to the West. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's you know at the time you know like everything is just so segregated and so secluded that there's really no avenue to open a different culture to uh, a different land. So I don't think it was their intent to be culturally m- misappropriate mm-hmm. because they're just finding a story that resonates.
0: Right. You know, and,
1: and it's a different time, you know, like, but now because of the internet and because of h- historical things and a lot of storylines that we know, you know, like um, there's more stories to tell. Yes. <laughs> you know, like we have, we have more access to different stories, which is fantastic. You know, like it's a great time to be a librettist,
0: yes.
1: you know, like, because you have actual historical data and you can actually be more appropriate. And, um, you know, like, like, and like what I mentioned, or, or, you know, like and what I like to tell people, you know, Madame Butterfly is a story. It's not the story,
0: mm-hmm. you know.
1: Like, um, so enjoy it for what it is. You know, like enjoy, um, but don't, you know, like, um, you know, like for the activists out there, you know, like I I don't really want to fight them, but at the same time, you know, like don't treat it like a sitting duck because it cannot fight back. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, like the composer is dead. <laughs> you know, like you know, like the composer, the composer cannot do anything about it now. But I'm sure if Puccini is alive, you know, like you know, he's going to be able to, you know, like do something about it. But don't deny the world of of that music because of appropriation is kind of like where I stand from. Not because. I wanna be employed. That is also, you know, like that
0: that is also <laughs> that plays a know, role.
1: <laughs> that's the role, you know, like I, I still want to do a tour and dot. You know, like I was just telling a friend of mine, um, you know, a couple months ago that uh, I would love to be the emperor. And you know, like it's like, why the emperor? It's just like it's like a five minute bit. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but he had the best costume.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's all about priorities. <laughs> it's about, it's like, it's like, yeah, but
1: you know, like I'm there for five minutes, sing my heart out, I get back, I eat my lunch, and then I get back at the ending.
0: That's and it. then,
1: Gloria te, you know, like it's yeah.
0: like, it's like <laughs>
1: fantastic. <laughs> so, and yeah. it's like, and I collect paycheck, my paycheck, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's just like, yeah, I love doing Fun for Mario roles like that.
0: So, Carl, to wrap up, what do you think would be the most important piece of advice that you would give young aspiring singers that are interested in going into opera, be it as soloists or a chorus or a combination of the two? What would you say is the most important piece of advice that you would give any of those young singers?
1: Uh, I would say that look for avenues where there are transferable skills so for example the skill of negotiation is very important Mm -hmm. so um if one of the things that um that you could learn in college or um, in trade school or whatever you chose to do to supplement you while you are figuring out how to break into the music world uh, find skills that translates to both the music world and the, the the business world, you know, like, and um, because that what saved my bacon. On times where I'm not getting a small contract or I'm not even getting a, like right now in the pandemic, that I'm not getting a, a course contract for, for that matter, I was able to draw from that experience that, that I have these skills that could work in the opera world and in the business world. So my grandfather used to tell me that He looks at the music world as something that people don't need, which I don't agree. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I think we need arts in our lives, but he was from a different generation that art is disposable. You know, like art is something that you can forget. But to his point, you need clothing, you need housing, and you need food. Mm -hmm. So you you need to take care of the basics. So you need to figure out how to take care of the basics while you're pursuing your dream of being a singer. And you have to be really, really creative on what you get into. So when, when I was in college, one of the things that I got into is I got into the culinary field and um, um, I, I, you know, like I decided to cook, you know, like for, um, for, well I started off as a dishwasher and then I got promoted to being a cook because mm-hmm. the cook quit. So I kind of put, again, (laughs) try out my fire, you know, thing. but I realized that you kind of need those life skills anyways Mm -hmm. and make, and make those life skills work for you. Don't be afraid to work for Burger King or McDonald's or, you know, like, or KFC or whatever, because, you know, like they will offer you, um, how to do budget, you know, like if you get into, into the right mat into the rights and get the right skill sets, Mm -hmm. um, time management, you know, like you cannot just focus on music. You had to focus on drama. You had to focus on everything else in your life. So um, those skills are transferable. So um, so look for transferable skills that um, that will give you a lot of options along the way. Um, and, and that's kind of what I want to tell my um, younger singers that are out there, especially for folks that goes into conservatory where – you know, like, it's music, 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 music. Mm-hmm. And, well, okay, so who's going to do your laundry? <laughs> who's going to do, you know, like, do your, you know, like, who's going to do your bills? You know, like, mm-hmm. how are you balancing your budget? Do you have a budget to work with?
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: because if you don't, you know, like, if you don't have a budget to work with, you can't fly, you know, like, to um, to New York to do the open calls and to do the open auditions, yes. you know, and um, so... So creating a nest egg is also part of that. And I was actually working with my, with my buddy, Doug Webster in, um, in Portland, um, uh, Douglas Webster, who did a lot of Jean Valjean on Broadway.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and, um, and, you know, like between the two of us, we, we like, yeah, this is something in the curriculum that is lacking the financial aspect of singing. They, they basically give us all this wonderful techniques on how to sing coupo and how to, you know, like all that, but, Okay, so at the end of the day, who's going to pay your bills? Yes. Who's who, you know like who's going to pay your you know like your trip to McDonald's? You know, like, it's, like, <laughs> it's like mom and dad is not always going to be there. What yeah. if you get sick? You know, like what kind of medical coverage are you going to have? You mm-hmm. know, what are your options? You know, like some singers don't even know that age twenty five here in the states that your parents cannot cover you after age twenty five. You have right. to find your own insurance, medical insurance after that age
0: yeah
1: and uh, and you had to pay your own premium and you know and that's between 400 to 700 dollars a month depending on you know like what kind of plan you're going to have and right now in the pandemic we, no income coming in who's going to pay for that premium and especially if you're trying to deal with diabetes or with, um, or, or, heart, you know, like, or, or something congenital or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, like, you know, like that is something important because part of money management is having a good uh, medical coverage. Yeah. So, yeah. So all those, all those conversations kind of need to happen. And I actually made someone cry oh. um, <laughs> <laughs> when, um, when, when I, when I said what I had to go through in mm-hmm. order to actually survive on my own. You know, like having a mortgage, you know, like and having, you know, having medical insurance and having, you know, pets, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) you really had to know how to be self sufficient, double as like the regular people in the street.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, Carl, thank you so much. This was really (laughs) a fabulous chat. And I really just want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me and to share so generously with the listeners. Really wonderful. Thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you. Well, hopefully I get to London and sing one of these days and then I actually get to meet you in person.
0: Absolutely. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of What Would Mozart Do? If you want to hear more, you can find other episodes on your podcast provider. Feel free to get in touch with me via Instagram at What Would Mozart Do? Follow me on Twitter or email info at whatwouldmozartdo.com. dot com.